0: I'll tell you a secret, as long as you're, nobody's going to listen to this, uh, the last time we were at this hotel, we ran them out of alcohol.
1: Hey, everybody. The Laying It Down for Camp Bucko fundraiser still going on. The donations have slowed down, but the hoses have not. This sea can is starting to get filled up. These are the ones I just unloaded from the trailer. Those are the ones that were sitting here since last year. These are all still sitting here from last year. We're looking to get donations rolling in. In addition to those hoses that I just showed you, I still have a picture. i'm going to insert right here of all the fire hoses that are still up in pickering ontario thank you to the toronto social housing for donating 95 percent of these fire hoses as well as everybody else from southwestern ontario and ontario for donating hoses well let's get those donations to roll in the link is posted below 20 bucks a hose let's get some money in let's support camp bucko thanks guys hey everybody thanks for tuning into this episode of the fire sprinkler podcast we are Live on location, Orlando, Florida, AFSA 42. My first AFSA event that I've ever been to, I'm sitting down with El Presidente, Bob Caputo. Bob, how's it going? I can't complain, man. It's a great
0: venue, a lot of good people. Yeah, you're in a place like this, nobody's going to listen to you if you start complaining, right? And we got really lucky because there was a hurricane in Florida last week. Okay. And another one that looks like it's looming for next week, but we're just right there just in the right middle. Just right in so
1: the sweet God spot. God loves us in here yeah. at Fire Spectre World. <laughs> Absolutely. So again, like I said earlier, <clears throat> my first AFSA event, and it's been, it's been a banger. Yeah. You guys put on an excellent show. Um, Thank you. A great big, uh, a great big exhibition hall, which I definitely did not peek in and take a look at beforehand, uh, but looks absolutely massive, which is
0: phenomenal in the industry. Uh, how was attendance been? So we have a record record attendance this year. Uh, registrations were exceeding uh, even our Las Vegas event last year, which was. A record event. Yeah, uh, all of our seminars—you know—been literally wall to wall. They're all jam packed, and I've been—I've been popping in and, and getting footage of all the educational seminars, and they've all just been jam packed. It's been awesome. We had an Ask the Experts uh, panel yesterday with uh, James Gullenbo and Matt Klaus and Russ Levitt and uh, uh, Jeff Street from UL, and, and, and I mean, this was one of the larger rooms, and we yeah. literally had to bring in more chairs. People were standing; you couldn't even. You couldn't fit another person in there without the fire marshal coming in and telling us uh, you know, to, to clear out. It was uh, yeah. just a great 90-minute uh, session. All of our tech sessions have been great. We had an opening party uh, over at Universal Studios, and we planned for 500 people. There were 638. That... Opening
1: reception, I did go to that. That was, uh, uh, my wife's not listening at this point now. Uh, that was the reason I flew in on Wednesday, to go was there. to go to that. I wanted to see, I wanted to go, beginning to end the entire event, and right. kind of see Thank how I FSA throws the events in. And that 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 City Walk event was phenomenal. The people on the stilts were ridiculous. I don't know <laughs> how yeah. they do that day in, day out. Um, but just the, the entire event
0: was uh, like, was it shutting down? that section or was it yes. just extending the hours well uh, so when we do something like that at a venue like a Universal Studios uh, we have to buy out that part yeah and then of course when we went over the Hogwarts for the magic piece <coughs> we had to wait for the park to close and okay. clear that out and then we had exclusive access to that piece as well yeah um, with our approach uh, with our Annual convention is focused predominantly on education, mixed with a hell, heck of a lot of fun. You know, we really yeah. do want families. Uh, our industry is family oriented. Uh, most people get into this thing for some nepotistic reason—an uncle, an aunt, or father,
1: whomever—and
0: uh, and so we want to make sure that uh, we are family oriented, uh, uh, not just an event, but an organization. Right. And uh, it, it shows in the way we plan our, our conventions and our. And our expos. What so far? We're only at day two. We're day two of. I'm sure it's not day
1: two for you. <laughs> that was kind of a silly thing to say to the guy who's running the show. But uh, you know, day two of the actual event so far, and and kind of what are your main takeaways? What do you? What kind of
0: feedback are you getting from the attendees? So, uh, it is our day two, but we actually with Florida. Florida, uh, The Florida chapter usually hosts an annual, we we'll call it a mini trade show, and they do their own, um, uh, their own apprenticeship competition. Mm-hmm. So this year they agreed to kind of meld in with us, and uh, they needed more credit hours for Florida attendees than we could provide through the normal couple of days uh, of programs so we actually started a day earlier with Florida only uh, seminars and I was fortunate enough to be invited to teach a a couple of those the Florida chapter and the Florida members uh, well first of all Florida and California are the two states where we have the most number of members big states Mm -hmm. the Florida chapter has uh, been very very helpful in making this thing successful by more participation uh, as well as normal participation but Every person that's come up to me has said, how in the world will you make this better next year? It's almost impossible. This is so cool. Yeah. Better than it was last year, better than it was the year before, which frankly when we were in San Antonio, I thought that was the best convention I'd ever been to. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how we'll up it next year in Denver, but we'll figure it out. You can raise the bar by going to Denver. <laughs> well, that's where we'll be at the Gaylord out by the new air. I shouldn't say new airport because it's not that new anymore. But for me, it is. It was new at some point. For yes, you. it yeah. was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what uh, What other kind of things do we have? Like, it, like I said, it is day two. It is it's Friday, so yes. there's still another two days. It's 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 nine thirty in the morning. What? What does the
0: rest of the event kind of hold for you? Well, this afternoon is our general session and uh, our awarding of the Parmelie Award uh, to uh, Professor uh, Milky from uh, Maryland, from the University of Maryland. Uh, we also have our Advocate of the Year Award, which is uh, Todd Short from, uh, from up in Oregon. Okay. Todd's a great guy, and he's been doing great things to promote residential sprinkler and yep. uh, fire protection in the living environment there. So that's a pretty cool event, and that will follow by uh, the opening of the exhibit hall, which mm-hmm. we have a record number of exhibitors, and as you can see behind me, uh, we've actually put a few booths out in the uh, corridor. A little bit of overflow. Uh, not only that, we have six people on the waiting list who wanted booths and couldn't get them. So we're uh, bursting at the seams just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, So be a reception uh, in the expo tonight. And the important part is the uh, kickoff of the apprenticeship competition, which yeah. this year we've put that in the center instead of at one end of our uh, exhibit hall. So that's something we're uh, doing that's a little new. Tomorrow evening will be our, uh, our awards party, mm-hmm. uh, announce the winners of, of the uh, apprenticeship competition uh, and uh, have some great food and some music and uh, another great party to have us out until party next year. Party. You know, I don't want it to sound like it's just party time because it isn't. I mean, we really are, we have uh, uh, 65 or 70 uh, educational events, CEO Absolutely. events. Yeah. Uh, we've got a room full of uh, AHJs with a free plan review session. Yep. Uh, let's not call it a party then, let's call it a, a networking session. It is really more networking than yeah. anything else, but uh, you know with us, I'll tell you a secret as long as you're, nobody's going to listen to this, uh, the last time we were at this hotel we ran them out of alcohol. We literally, this hotel ran out of alcohol. Really? NFSA was here a bunch of sprinkler uh, who would no. think who would think that doesn't NFSA sound right. was here <laughs> management of the hotel that you told us between NFSA and AFsa we 've never had consumed more alcohol. We were like sprinkler people <laughs> just like you I, just I I said. don't understand yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's, who'd
1: have thought <laughs> like to have fun, work hard all day, which i 've been seeing. Throughout every session, um, but absolutely, I, I will say that the, uh, the the networking sessions that kind of occurred even last night down in the lobby. Um, anybody that was not here for the event that had to register last night, I feel bad. There's no way they heard what room number they were in when they were logging in last night. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, the. Um, so usually I start the things off by getting a little bit of a history, but you've been a guy that's, uh, I'll call it my hit list, for a long time wanting to have a conversation with. You've been involved in this industry, you know, I'm kind of short in the, the, the media side of, of fire sprinklers, um, but your name has constantly come up on guys to talk to, so tell me a little bit about
0: your history in this industry. So I guess I'm in my 45th year of working in this industry. Um, you must have started when you were two. I I definitely did. I started uh, prior to that. Actually, when I started, there were still dinosaurs walking the planet. Uh, You had to cut threads with your teeth back then? Yeah, and the cutting oil tasted horrible. (laughs) But the pipe dope was tastier. Well, yeah, yeah. So I did. I started in the shop, you know, got into the field. I actually started in fire protection. I was a a volunteer firefighter. When I went in the Navy, uh, you know, I I, uh, had an injury. And as a result, they put me in a limited duty status, and I ended up... Doing some fire sprinkler work, shipboard fire sprinkler work, okay. as a limited duty uh, uh, function, and I, and frankly, I had intended to uh, go to law school after the military. And uh, the fire protection industry kind of grabbed a hold of me. I had gotten married and had an instant family at the time, and uh, I had job opportunities in the fire and life safety world, and uh, just. Started down that path and never looked back.
1: So, from when you kind of you, when you, you joined the Navy and got into into sprinklers, kind of through the Navy, uh, that's kind of where it started. Yeah. yeah. W- what kind of led you to being the president of the AFC? Wow. Uh, well, they set
0: the bar really low. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I was a sprinkler contractor in the San Diego area, and I had sold the company to uh, Costco Fire Protection, a union company. Uh, I took a year off, uh, mostly surfing, diving, riding my motorcycle, and wasting time. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Jack Medovich reached out to me and asked if I would join what was then East Coast Fire Protection and uh, help them start a service division. Mm-hmm. And I did that. The Company changed its name to uh, Fire and Life Safety America. They're now. Uh, Merged in or owned and called a Summit Fire and Life Safety, and yep. so they are literally nationwide. And you know what started out is a, a couple of probably when I joined them, they might have been around 50 million a year. Now I think they're probably closer to a billion dollars wow. at Summit. So uh, pretty exciting changes. But uh, I'd left uh, uh, Fire and Life Safety America for a couple of years, went back uh, to work at Telgen with Russ Levitt, who is uh, by the way, if you haven't. Interviewed Russ Levin. That's a guy you've got to get. Russ, Russ, it's amazing. He and I've been teaching partners forever, and he's he's just a great guy. Uh, Anyway, uh, so I went back to Fire and Life Safety America after a couple of years uh, helping Telgen get uh, things moving a little better, process procedure wise. Uh, So I was their VP of uh, training. During that time. Uh, AFSA had a president that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd thrown my hat in the ring uh, because Russ encouraged me to do so. Uh, Russ thought it would be a good fit for me and I threw my hat in the ring and I wasn't picked. And they went through another president who things didn't really meld as well. <clears throat> I'm not sure if it was Jack, i well, pretty sure it was Jack. But Jack called me one day and said, "Hey, are you still interested in the FSA position?" And I said, uh, "Yeah, I'm interested, but you know, I'm not going to get my my hopes up." Right. But basically, they went from uh, saying, "Hey, it isn't working out," to find an association person. Maybe we should find an industry person. This is a pretty sp- specific uh, specialty industry, and I yep. think uh, I think we all know that. And so I uh, was the first industry person they'd selected, I think they interviewed three or four different people and uh, like I say, they set the bar pretty low, pick me Uh, and uh, you know, it's been three years of it's probably the best job I've ever had. I love this industry. I love this association. I love what we do. We've bolstered our uh, uh, tech services uh, group. Mm -hmm. We've got an amazing group of folks across the board and on staff, whether it's the technical services department uh, or the administrative folks and the support staff. But at the end of the day, uh, you know we offer amazing training programs, both apprenticeship inspectors for ITM uh, design school, intermediate design school. Uh, you know, we're just really focused on being a training op- organization and operation. That's what we do best, and that's where we focus our time and attention. I've noticed a
1: lot of people, like you say, you're you're focusing focusing a lot on on education and training, and it's it's very prevalent prevalent out there with all the people that are attending the <clears throat> the networking events have been phenomenal but you know for the limited amount of times that I've been popping into the educational seminars it's just like you say wall to wall there hasn't been one with many open seats available um, so that's that's really good to see I appreciate and thank you for everything that you've done with this industry getting all these associations and in and, and, and the industry to the level that it's at now uh volunteer firefighter myself actually right now as well i I noticed the pin there Um, yeah we did well i uh, teach
0: at the national fire academy as well as uh, for nfpa still and for us of course uh education's part of you know it's in my blood i love You you know as a firefighter, as you know, you can probably name the people whose lives you saved Mm -hmm. But here in fire and life safety and fire protection and fire sprinklers We've saved thousands of lives of people. We're never gonna meet never gonna know the names of so one of the first things I do and I mean as Kind of
1: seems weird to say it now But as young in the industry I am as a designer have I've had three of the buildings that I've designed had fires where the sprinkler isolated and extinguished the fire so You know, not only was I, you know, walking around, you couldn't, you couldn't, you could have punched my mom in the face, and I would have smiled at you and shaken your hand uh, that day, maybe not the next day, but um, you know, the first thing I do anytime we have an incident like that is you call every single, I call every single guy in the company. We're not a big company, like 20 people. Call every single one of them. System that we put in today saved lives doesn't matter if you were actually on site or not you know if you weren't on site because you were on another site allowed the people that put that pipe in to put the pipe in and it worked it did exactly what it was supposed to do we had one situation it was a wood construction building retrofit in Ontario they went 13R because they were trying to retrofit all care facilities yeah yeah Um, so a uh, fire started in a mechanical closet with a furnace where sidewall sprinkler was up at the top Uh, maintenance guy called us Freaking out on a Friday afternoon, like, hey you, so and so, I won't say the words here. Uh, you told me a one in 16 million chance of these sprinklers accidentally discharging. Well, guess what? I won. He the didn't lottery, even know he baby. had a fire, did he? I won the lottery, baby. The fire trucks are on their way. This is bull. You know, this is bull. This is this. This is that. You better get your here to get this fixed and get it cleaned up because you know, if not, I'm going to call my lawyer. Blah blah. All the stuff. So family business to send my brother over. Fire department met him at the front door. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. You know, furnace caught fire, guy didn't know it started running up the back wall, sprinkler put it out. If it would have got into the attic space, you're talking about a mass casualty event.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, long-term care facility, nursing home, a lot of immobile people. You know, there's a couple of interesting dynamics that guide uh, my thinking about our industry and and the benefits of fire sprinklers in the built environment in general. First of all, when you look at the cost of, of, uh, of fire protection in a community. It falls on the taxpayer, Yeah. but if you install the systems, especially residential occupancies, if you install the systems, it falls on the cost to the developer. Fire departments have lesser and lesser budgets. Mm-hmm. Fire departments have fewer people, fewer stations. Yeah. I'm fond of saying that when seconds count, first responders are minutes away. With fire sprinklers, You know, we have lighter weight construction. We have more combustible furnishings that we bring into the buildings. And clearly, the three biggest causes of fires in any occupied space are men, women, and children. The things that we do, whether it's smoking or unattended cooking or candles or this furnace situation. Fire sprinklers are the solution, and they're really the only economic and realistic uh, uh, solution to those situations. And I've had so many stories and I knew where you were going, that they didn't think, they didn't know they had a fire, Yep. right? I've had restaurant systems operate where if it wasn't for, you know, the restaurateurs go, this thing operated for no reason and now we can't do lunch or we can't do yep. dinner, we're losing revenue. Yep. But then when you look at the videotape, because there's cameras everywhere nowadays, yep. right? And you see that there was actually a fire and they didn't even know they had a fire. That's right. Man, the things that we do, we, we, we have to assume there will be a fire, it's a question of when. That's right. And yeah. that's why inspection testing and maintenance is so critically important for all of our systems. Yep. But just having those systems, and in my lifetime, you know, systems weren't always required. Now we're code driven. Go to Central and South America or Europe or other places where they're not code driven, where yep. it's a choice or an insurance driven issue. I mean, it just is amazing to me when I think about it's so obvious that, uh, that fixed fire suppression systems, fire sprinkler systems, and other types of systems are, are the solution to pro- being protected in the built environment. And we're still fighting with home builders to get sprinklers in homes. That just drives me crazy. It's, it's crazy the amount of work that the people
1: in sales actually have to do to, to educate people how, how, how absolutely necessary yeah. this small little piece of brass
0: is to, to fire protection. Lights. So the, you know, the Home Fire Sprinkler Coalition, <laughs> yeah. that we're a big contributor to, so is uh, NFPA and NFSA. Yep. Uh, you, you know, they've got some great stuff on YouTube and great website for resources for municipalities to uh, take a, a real look at. At some point in time, the Home Builders Association, I think some of the bigger builders are coming around to, to, to the reality. They are starting to get on board.
1: There's, they're trying to push it as a sales position. This is a house that
0: can save your life, and and you know I think the more we educate the general public, the more people will want to live in. Pre- and think about uh, uh, think about seatbelts. You know, when I was a kid, That's people right. didn't automatically put seatbelts on. Nowadays, it's 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 just something you do. I mean, yeah. very few people don't put on a seatbelt. And when think- you look at the numbers from a statistical standpoint,
1: uh, your chance of surviving a, a car accident increases by about fifty-five to sixty percent if you're wearing a seatbelt.
0: Right, your, your chances, chances of of living through a house, a, a house fire with sprinklers, wow, it's it's 85 percent. Yeah, the, the yeah I think it's uh, 85 or 90. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty much it's it's up there. Yeah. It's the solution. And one of them's law, and one of them isn't. Right, California, is way ahead of the curve. California yep. and uh, Maryland currently are the only two states that require sprinklers in every uh, home that's built. Yeah, I, I hope that by the time my time does actually uh, pass, that we're you know 25, 30 states.
1: Yeah. Well, there, you, you got your work cut out for you. You yes. don't see
0: any end in the near
1: future, uh, Bob. No. Thanks for uh, thanks for allowing me to
0: stick my camera
1: in. And around Appreciate this the and opportunity. And this awesome. I'm
0: glad you think I was worthy of an interview. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh,
1: anybody wants in for more information, where do they go? <laughs>
0: Well, you can go to firesprinkler.org, uh, to the AFSA website. Uh, you, it's pretty easy to find me. My cell phone's on all my business cards. <laughs> uh, my email address is Caputo at firesprinkler.org. Uh, if you're not a member, by the way, AHJs can be a member of AFSA for no charge, no cost. Uh, they have full access to our tech services department. Yep. Full access. We serve on... Fifty-six or so NFPA committees. Uh, Busy. We're a pretty helpful group of folks. We usually answer most technical questions in less than a day. Yep. Uh, but as far as uh, fire sprinkler contractors, you know, we have a lot of contractor members that have signatory labor, and most of them of our group doesn't. Uh, we are focused predominantly on open shop fire sprinkler contractors uh, training programs. But you know, we have a lot of training programs that benefit. Any sprinkler contractor
1: yeah, at that point, when you're looking at, at at training, I don't really think that comes into play. The course is here. I'm not seeing any sort of biased information. No, we're not. Or, or, in, or in, in fact, I'm going
0: to just say, for the record, that uh, we work with uh, the folks over at NFSA as often as we can on code-related issues. You know, when we go to the NFPA. Yep. Uh, Committees, You know, we're not fighting with each other, we're communicating with each other and doing what's best for our industry. Yep. We have common interests and we focus where we can on those. Uh, we have areas where we can't work together and clearly that's the labor thing. Yep. Uh, and really that's the biggest biggest differentiator. My counterpart, uh, uh, Shane Ray, is a really, really bright guy and very, very active. And he has a political knowledge base. And, and a legislative knowledge base that I just don't have the experience in. And so they're very, very good at that. Two former firefighters at the, the top
1: of the two organizations in, uh, yeah. in America as well. Yeah, well, that's cool. We're in the fire protection industry. That's right, awesome. Thank, thank you Bob, again. Thanks again. Great. Great. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody, I wanted to take a second to thank everybody for supporting the Fire Sprinkler podcast over the past five years. This has been an absolute ride to be able to travel the amount that I've traveled, to talk to the people that I've talked to, to be able to get the information in this industry out there and essentially um, help create a new wave of of content for buyer protection. So uh, just a huge thank you to everybody for supporting. I hope you're still enjoying it. Anybody who's still listening, thank you.